God bless. What an honor to be up here. Amen. I don't take it lightly. I know that it is only by his grace and, and his choosing. There's something about when he's able to choose you. And you didn't choose yourself. You didn't qualify. But it's because he's done all of the qualifying and proving and, and all of that. It's a wonderful thing. I just wanted to say this before we go any further. Pastor John, we were in our, um, what do you call it, Sunday school, and he asked us a question. He asked us, um, what does it mean to be living? What does it mean? What are you saying when you say that you're uh, wanting to live for him? And he asked each of us those questions. And um, not that he was really looking for an answer, but some of us answered and some of us didn't. I think all of us answered. All of us answered. But um, as I was sitting there, I began to really ask myself the question, um, what does living for him means? And... Um, I wrote down some things. I even wrote it down. I said it to you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just share a little bit what I put down here on the piece of paper. I put here, what does it mean when I say I'm living for him? I said to give my life as a sacrifice that's acceptable to him, not being conformed to the world, um, and that renewing my mind, um, I'm living a life that is acceptable to him. Um, I'm surrendering and living my life to work, his work for me. And then I think he broke it down and asked us again what it really means and to really think about those areas and those things that are in our lives that causes us not to truly give ourselves fully over to him. And, and the Holy Spirit began to speak. And he began to tell me, he said, there's one area that you haven't uh, fully given yourself to live for me in. And, and I said, oh. <laughs> um, and I said, what, was, what is that, God? And he told me, being up here. This was one of the areas that I hadn't, I hadn't fully given myself over to him. Knowing that this is what he wants. It's not what I want. But it's what he wants. For whatever. And I immediately began to acknowledge and repent within I know being up here what this means just not for him but he also showed me what it had meant for me what it had meant for even the Christian thought of what we thought being up here meant 
and you showed me in that that it wasn't necessarily of him that I needed to be up here for what he wants and what he wants to say through me and one of the things that I think was freeing is that he showed me that it ain't you anyway you have to totally rely on me you have to totally depend on me and I said Lord but I'm scared he said, don't be scared because I'm with you. I'm the one that speaks. So that took some of the pressure off of me. <laughs> and I said, Lord, okay, not my will, but your will be done. Amen. I just wanted to share that little brief thing. It was so powerful. And it helped me so much. Turn with me, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to start at the first verse. But it was back in November when um, the Lord had spoke to me in the car as I was driving. And he told me, he said, I, the next time you minister... I want you to minister on endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so, and he told me just like this, he said, and I don't want you um, teaching this from what you think. I want you to share it like how I give it to you. So I don't know if you all realize that when you have to depend upon him, it is truly you have to depend upon him. Okay? And in that, you have to come away from what you've been taught, what you've learned. You know, because some of us have been in this thing for 20, 30 years, if not longer. And you know, society tells us when you don't been in something and you don't know something, then you know. But in the spiritual realm, it's totally different. <laughs> the more you get into this, the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> and, it, it, and then it makes you come to a place of the surrenderance and a dependence upon him, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. To give you what, he, what he's saying. And that comes through prayer. It comes through fasting. It comes through sitting before him. Sometimes not even saying a word, but listening more than anything. And so all of these things I've had to learn over again, if I could say it like that. To just read, not with some preconceived ideas of what I thought it was, or what I knew, how I've learned it from a little girl and hearing many preachers and teachers teach it. I had to humble myself and say, God, what are you saying? What are you wanting from us? And so with that, I just ask you to just pray with me as we pray and then we're going to read the word Father in the name of Jesus I thank you for the opportunity to stand before your people Father speak for me as that which you have let your word continue to illuminate us change us bringing us into the full knowledge and understanding of your son Casting away and casting aside every preconceived thought.
in every preconceived way. And let your word, oh God, change us. Renew our minds. Fortify us. Bring us to the place that you so desire your church to be. This is about your church. This is about your body. This is about the truth going forth. That can truly, truly bring us to a place of obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen. So in Ephesians 4.1 it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, this whole verse, you know, it's so much in it. I already know that I'm, it's going to be a series probably. I'm not going to get through all of this. But endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, because that's where he had me to start. And I asked him, I said, Lord, how do we do that? I know it's saying it right there. It's some key things it's saying how to do it. With loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. You know, I, I, I see that part, Lord. But what is it that you're saying to us? And the thing he told me was, he said, the way that you can keep the unity of the spirit of the, uh, in, in the unity of bond of peace is to be, lead a life of worthiness. The way it's done is to lead a life of worthiness. What is worthiness? And one of the things he's made clear to me that this worthiness has nothing to do with the believer trying to earn its way. We already talked about that with justification and being sanctified last week with Pastor John. The worthiness has nothing to do with us as believers earning our place or deserving a place in God's favor. But it means we should recognize how much our place in God's favor deserves from us. The worthiness has nothing to do with a believer trying to earn his way or even deserve a place in God's favor. But it has to do with us recognizing how much place in God's favor deserves from us. So the focus is not the worth, but on the worth of the calling. And I think this is this is one of the issues of the church. That we have focused so much on the worth, but not enough on the calling. 
And each of us have a call. Each of us, do you know that? I'm not talking about what some personal call that, you know, maybe God has, you know, specifically said that, okay, I called you, I want you to do, be a pastor, I want you to be an evangelist. I'm talking about the calling of the ministry of reconciliation that we all are called to. And that doesn't have anything to do with a pastor or an evangelist, it has to do with you, 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 and me. Amen? So, once we realize the problem is, is we're not leading a life of worthiness, I began to ask God, I said, well, God, I don't think we understand what this worthiness is. That's the problem. We don't, we, we don't know. And he said, you're right. So let's go to Ephesians 1. And I'm just going to obey him. What he tells me to do may seem out of the norm. But I already know that he's not the norm. <laughs> he is not the norm. Because this is the part where you and me have to understand. Because I didn't know this. I didn't know this until he told me. Go to the Ephesians 1. And read. Everybody got Bibles? Okay. Go to Ephesians 1. Everybody at Ephesians 1? You at Ephesians 1? Okay. Follow me, please. Okay. Because in order to understand what the worthiness is, to lead a life of worthiness, you got to understand what he done give to, gave, gave to us. Yes. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, blessed be the God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Keep on. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in our wisdom and prudence. Have it made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth and in him. Verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. We learned about that last week. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. In him you are trusted. After you heard of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were 
filled with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You got to keep going. You got to know. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is our favorite prayer that we love to pray, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you and me and you and you and you the wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him. Listen to this. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills us all in all. I ain't finished. I got to obey what the Lord says. Amen. Chapter 2. And you, he made alive. Listen to this. He's talking about me and you. The believers. The ones who's been redeemed. The one who's been saved. The one who's been delivered. And you, he made alive and who were dead in trespasses and sin. And which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among who also we all once conducted ourselves in that lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the, the, the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God. But God. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love. Which is he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you've been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he may show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, let anyone should boast. But we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, but what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope without God in the world. Here it is. But now, 
in Christ Jesus, you were once were far off, having been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he in himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished his flesh, the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in audience, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he may reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off to those who were near. Verse 18. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is who you are. This is who we are. Having been built on the foundations of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone and whom the whole building being fitted together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place, God in the Spirit. I ain't finished. I got to do what he said. For this... Chapter 3. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, and as I briefly written it already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which is in other ages, was not made known to the sons of men, and it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, that's you and me, and the same body and the partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God, given to me by the effective working of his power, to me who I am less Paul said he's less, and we can all say that too, that we less than the least of all the saints that this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages have been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. You see that? He created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities of powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that ye do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth's name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. Here's another prayer. To be strengthened with the might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height 
to know the love of Christ with Patrick's knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. And Pastor John just prayed this this morning. Now to, unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus to our generations forever and ever. Amen. I had to read this because the Holy Spirit told me to read this. Hallelujah. Because this may be some of our only chance to hear it. That's right. This is why you got to know what this worthiness of this life that you have to live or that we have to live, what this is all about. Yes. It is not about us. Yes. It's about Him. Yes. And what He wants to do through us. Yes. And what He wants to do through me, through you. You know? Man, and when I read that, I'm telling you, it gave me a glimpse of what this call was really all about and what Paul truly meant. I mean, in Ephesians 1-4, God chose us for himself before the world was created. In Ephesians 1-5, say he predestined us to be his children. And that means that we are heirs of all of our father's own. Man, that blew me away. Ephesians 1 7 said, He sent Christ to atone for all of our trespasses. We can't have done that. And we cannot work to get sin out of our lives. I don't care how much you come to church. I don't care how much you read your Bible. I don't care how much you pray. It was through the blood, it was through Christ. It was only through Him. And so we come to church and we read our Bibles and we fast and we do all those things because we understand the worthiness of the life that he's called us to. And it can't be done in ourselves. It can't. And this is where the church has made the mistake of thinking that we're, you know, doing this out of, you know, doing something to earn his favor or to earn his uh, uh, gratitude. Instead of understanding the, the, the worthiness of this call. Instead of understanding the, how worthy you are. And how he's chose you and handpicked you for this time. And left you here for this dispensation. Because he wants to use you. And it has nothing to do with nobody's approval but his approval. And I know it's hard because the world every day is dealing to us their approval and what we got to look like and what we got to act like and what we got to talk like and what we got to be like. But with this time for us to understand that we need to be about what God wants. Amen. He's left us here for this. Ephesians 1.13 says he sealed us with his Holy Spirit to preserve us forever. So with that in mind, we understand that we're only here temporarily. This is not our home. We're just pilgrims passing through, amen? But he has sealed us for his Holy Spirit to, to preserve us forever. So he's coming back to take us home. Talking about a reservation. He's made a reservation for us. Did you know that? Did you know a reservation has been made for you and me? Do you know that each of us have a mansion? 
And for all of you who don't got no house or don't have no house, honey, you got a mansion in heaven that God's wait, have waiting for us. Amen? Ephesians 2.7 says, He promised to spend an eternity increasing our joy in the immeasurable richness of His grace. Man. And if you weren't here last month, and we, you know, Pastor John preached on what joy was. Joy don't, and joy is not based off circumstances. That's what we found out. It's not based off of feelings. It's based off of knowing God. Because he says the joy that he gives, nobody can take it away. So in this Ephesians 2.7, it sounds like that he's talking about a joy that can be, can't be taken away. Amen. An increasing joy in the immeasurable riches of his grace. Man. That is beyond our understanding. Just like his love is. Sometimes, you know, it's hard to receive it in, because we be trying to understand this stuff some, some way in our natural form. This natural love. This natural, natural joy. But this is by the Spirit. Amen. Ephesians 3.10 said, He has given us the mission, man, as a church to display his wisdom, even to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Yes. That's right. And even in Ephesians 1.12, it says, We are destined and appointed to live for the praise of his glory. Yes. Honey, that's living a life of worthiness. That's living a true life of worthiness, amen? And, and what makes this is so awesome about this, because just think of this, in the natural form, you got to earn everything. Everything. You got to earn a reputation. You got to earn respect. Everything the world tells you is something you got to do, but everything God tells you you got to do, he's already done it. He's already done it. And all you have to do is trust him and believe in his word. Trust and believe what he says. Amen? And when you take it on this life of worthiness, you understand that every day you get up, that it's, that it's not about you. But you're getting up because of what he did. What his son did when he got up. And it's all because of him. That he had created a place for us that we couldn't have done it on our own. This is why you got to understand this. This is why we got to get this. We couldn't have done this our own, on our own. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how good, you know, you can do something. This is about his son and what he's done. It's almost like he created a path for us to be joint heirs, to be set in this circle, in this place of righteousness, in this place of worthiness. It's a worthiness that only he could have created. So from there, from there, we as believers, we as Christians, we live our lives in this worthiness by saying, Lord, I give myself away. And I know it's a hard thing in the flesh to say I give myself away. But when you understand this, that your life is no longer belongs to you, that you've been bought with the price, and you understand the significance of who he is and what you're not, 
and in him he's caused all things to become new when you understand this then you can start to live your life as in, in, in true a life of worthiness so you can understand how it's important to be in the house on Thursdays for Bible study. So you can understand how it's important to be in the house on Sunday, that it's not a routine, but it's your reasonable service as your life being a sacrifice unto him, holy and acceptable for his use. Amen? And how he's left us here to finish the work. How he's left us here to be that representative. How he's left us here to be that ambassador. Man. The privilege and the purpose of our Christian calling is greater than the privilege and purpose of men. I know we seem to place a lot more precedence upon man in the world, but this is what God is wanting us to, he's trying to get us away from. He's trying to bring us understanding of, of who he is and what he wants and his, his worthiness. Our calling from God, our calling attains divine sonship and we become the beneficiaries of all that God owns. Hmm. Our calling would last forever. How much more should the honor privilege of being made a Christian shape our lives. How much more should the honor or privilege of being made a Christian shape our lives? After we don't read 1-3, that gives us a glimpse. That gives us the understanding how we need to live a life of worthiness. Amen. Go to 2 Corinthians. Amen. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. And I was just going to go to verse 15, but I hear you, Lord. So I'm going to do what he says. Because you got to read this because you got to know. You got to understand. The only way we're going to know is that we read it. <laughs> so you know, this ain't something I'm just saying. This is what he says in his word. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter in the 12th verse says, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that ye may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of a sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live 
And he died for all, and those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Now, I didn't say that. He said that. I love this verse. And he died for all. See, he did it. He died for you and me. He died for the world too. And all those and all those who live, and that's me and you, who have asked him into our hearts, who have made him the Lord of our lives, who have said, Lord, I give myself away, who have said that I'm your child and I belong to you, that I've been bought with a price, that I'm no longer relying on myself, that we should no longer live for ourselves. Did you know that? But for him who died for, for them all and rose again. Verse 16 says, therefore, for now on, I like that, for now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we knew him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And this is my favorite one. Verse 18 says, now all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that's that call that's that call Hallelujah. he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As through God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen? So the way that we're going to endeavor to keep the unity of the peace and, and uh, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace is that we lead a life of worthiness. That's the first part. I ain't going to get into all the other parts, but that's what we have to start in. That life of worthiness causes us to recognize what he's done and then it causes us to live a life worthy for him. Again, not working to get some favor with him, but recognizing the favor in him. It's all through him. Everything that we need is in him. Everything that we have is in him. We need him. But we have to understand who we are and what he's given to us. If you don't know who you are and what he's given to us, then you can't lead a life of worthiness. You'll leave a life just the way that the world don't taught us. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You do this for me, I'll do this for you. That's right. You know, everything is based off of us and, and our reputation and what we do and what we can do within. It's all based off of that. And so God wants us to show us a new way of leading our lives unto him. And, 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 and we have to surrender. I'm sorry, but we have to surrender. We have to surrender. 
And it's a process. It's a process. But I can't worry about your process. I have to worry about mine. And I think this is what's happened in the, in the church. We've been so focused on brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and looking at what they're doing instead of paying attention to yourself. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. This is between you and God and your worthiness. Because when you stand before him, you and only you can give an account for everything that you've done in the body. Only you can give an account for when he told you to go down the street and give so-and-so $50. Only you can know that when he don't told you to get up in the morning and pray for sister so-and-so. These are all the things that we have to give an account to. Not the sin, but did you obey me? Did you hear my voice? So this is what we got to keep in mind of this worthiness. Leading a life of worthiness to him. And once your commitment is drawn to him, then it'll rub off on somebody else. We've been doing this stuff wrong. We've been trying to please people instead of please him. Living a life of worthiness for the world. Living a life of worthiness trying to please, you know, one another and, and people and your husband and your wives and your children. No, please God. Please God and he'll take care of your wife. He'll take care of your husband. He'll take care of your children. I'm a witness. So Father, today we just want you to Yes, help us. Show us. Take our concentration off of our households. Take our concentrations off our husband. Take our concentration off of our wives. Take our concentration off of our children. Please, God, help us. That our lives can be truly surrendered to you and that you can then show us in this relationship you can show us how that it can be religion versus relationship let us let you show us that because religion only lasts for a while but you and the relationship with you lasts forever Father, you've given us a glimpse today in Ephesians 1 and 3, these, these three chapters, God, of what truly living a life of worthiness is. How to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The first way is living a life of worthiness. And that worthiness, it only comes through you. The sun. Let us see that God. Let us see that to where it can take us to the relationship with you, knowing that we need you. We cannot do this without you. This has been the problem that we tried to do this stuff on our own. Leaning to our own understanding. Leaning to what so-and-so taught us and what they said. 
how they said the church runs and how they said, you know, the pastor should be and how they said you ought to be as an usher and how you should be as a praise and worship leader and how you have to be as a believer. But God said today is the day that I'm speaking. Today is the day that everything you need is in me. Everything today, everything you need is in me. This is a message that, you know, is not popular. It's even so sometimes hard to minister because we want to go back to the old thinking. We want to go back to what we know and how it was done and but God is trying to renew our minds I'm telling you we got to get to the place where he is calling us as the church time is running out and he needs us he needs us to be in the place where he needs us to be where others can be saved, healed, delivered, and set free by the power of his word, by the power of his spirit, by the power of his life. And that life, it can only be lived through you and me. It means that, that we don't recognize how much our place of God's favor deserves from us. So that the focus is not on our work, but on the worth of our calling. Yes, glory to us. Glory. What did he call you to do? What is your calling work to you? Being fit for his use. Being in the place that he wants you to be. relationship yeah I'm going to keep pounding on that I'm going to keep talking about that because that's it that's the place we're trying to have relationships and, and get into places and things uh, that he ain't even called us to you've got to get in the relationship and in the place with him you got to in order to deal with me as a sister, as a brother, we have to be in the place with him. This is, this is what teaches us how to live and how to love one another. And how to have that loneliness and meekness and gentleness that he talks about in Ephesians 4. That's it. It's the spirit. Come on, Pastor John. God bless you all.